the show where we hope to connect our community with healthcare information that's relatable, understandable, and useful to your life, and where you get to know better the neighbors providing your care here. I'm your host, Anne McCurdy, and in today's episode, we'll be talking with our new podiatrist, Dr. Michael Egerton. Before we get started, two quick disclaimers. First, the comments in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Cass Health. Second, the information in this podcast is not intended to be construed as personal medical advice. Always consult your primary care provider with your questions and concerns regarding your health. And with that, welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, pleasure. Okay, we get to start out today with some fun get-to-know-you questions. We'll start with, where are you from? I am originally from Lorenz, Iowa, so we go north on 71, about 100 miles. So welcome to the south. Yep. You're in the southern part for sure. It's a lot hillier down here. It, that's true. It is. Yeah. Favorite movie? Probably It's a Wonderful Life, but also almost any version of A Christmas Carol as well. What, Like any version of The Christmas Carol? They're all pretty good. There's just varying. Some are better than others. And where does the Muppets version rank? That's that? pretty high. Um, it's at the top of my list. <laughs> They had a new miniseries one last year. I, I saw it last year. I don't know if it came out last year, but it was like a three-hour one. It was actually very good. Oh, okay. All right. I have to check it out. Okay, if you're cooking dinner to impress, what are you making? Some beef is definitely involved. Uh, family likes some seafood, so that'd probably be involved. I have had my Traeger smoker for a couple of years now. I can make some pretty darn good stuff with that. Ooh, okay. Um, I did not make the, a turkey this year for Thanksgiving, but... I had gotten better and better the last four years running with that. Very cool. Um, I can do some good breakfasts. I, I like to cook. One of my best friends is a professional chef, so my kitchen is probably not far off from what a commercial kitchen could look like. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Okay, we are coming over then, for sure. Yep. So Excellent. Okay. Pets at home. I got uh, two English Shepherds. Uh, Mom has been breeding them for 20-plus years. Uh, I had my first litter last year. So for being a year and a half old, uh, she had 10 pups in the litter. That's a lot. Wow. um, And out in Virginia, I mean, they got sold from Virginia and New York. Two went to Canada. One went as far west as Wyoming. So she's pretty well known. Hopefully I can keep that good breeding and everything going like she wants me to. Sure. Favorite holiday? Hmm. All of them? <laughs> <laughs> Being out east for several years, at well, decade plus, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's turned into any of them that I could get home for, really. So, which now is going to be very different because it's a lot easier to get home. I was going to guess Christmas with the It's a Wonderful Life and a Christmas Carol, but but you're right. I prefer winter over summer. Uh, uh-huh. It's easier to put on more clothes than to be <laughs> hot and you're like, well, I, this is it. And so... I'm excited to experience winter again. They don't really have much of one out east. <laughs> oh, well, good. So. Well, good. Do you have a mantra or an affirmation that gets you through those tough days? Uh, I'll let you know when I find a better one, but the one that's been currently working is this too shall pass. Uh, with another family one that always seems to have been there is don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff. However, being a podiatrist, uh, that small stuff can go big fast, so... <laughs> <laughs> It uh, depends on what you're talking about. Sure, sure. So tell everyone, it's like, well, yeah, if you get any question on anything, I'd rather see you and say it's fine than, eh, I'll wait two weeks to see him and, oh, well, that infection's gone so bad, now you got to have your leg cut off. So Yeah, 
Yeah. I know we're in still a get to know you part, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I'm trying to give you a segue. That's okay. That's great. <laughs> oh no, you still, you, oh, we're still, still torturing you with okay. a few more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about a favorite book? Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea was a really good one. I haven't read the last uh, Game of Thrones one yet, but that's a good series. Dragon's Blood series when I was a kid was a good one. Uh, Ender's Game was a really good book. I'm a nerd, by the way, if you haven't figured that Welcome out. Welcome to the club. Yep, absolutely. Surprise, Dr. Nerd. <laughs> um, actually, a really good book is uh, Alice in Wonderland. Oh, it, okay. Yeah, very, very good. Lewis Carroll did very yeah, well with that. Yeah, okay, um, good classic. Several good classics. Okay. If you're driving alone in the car, what are you jamming out to? Depends on how tired I am. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> it varies. Okay. Uh, a lot of, actually, a lot of it is uh, audiobooks. When you sat in traffic for many hours, and you know, you can only kind of listen to the same song so many times. So, audiobooks. Currently, I'm listening to Indigenous Continent, which is a very detailed history of the Native Americans. This is very eye-opening. Oh wow! It <laughs> so. sounds fascinating. Yeah. Your commute now is much shorter, though. My commute is much shorter, so I don't <laughs> listen to that on the commute. I can barely get through a song, I think, on my commute now. Um, but that's when I'm, if I'm driving back to Lorenz, I'll throw that in. So Great. Any hobbies? Probably. Uh, it's only been work and commuting. <laughs> One of my friends <laughs> joked that my recent hobbies had been commuting, and I sat there for a second. I go, that's pretty accurate. So um, I like woodworking, building stuff with my hands, which is why surgery was always fun, which... If you're a woodworker, you could easily be a surgeon because surgery is more forgiving. Bone and tissue heal. Wood does not continue to grow. So if you don't get that joint right, that it's wrong. Very so, true. Very true. Yeah, not a mechanic at all. My older brother and dad are, but I am not. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Just I always find stuff in the house to remodel, upgrade, something like that. Want it to fit me better easier to use being with the dogs obviously open to stuff i'd love to be able to golf more which it sounds like will happen next summer so yeah you uh, moved to a good community for golf yeah love the fact there's two 18 hole golf courses mm-hmm. um so if I, I guess if anyone needs a fourth there we go <laughs> the, the official ask has been made to the community so very um, good grew up where mom and dad did yeah golf league in summer and bowling in winter and it's like well that's what small towns do and it's like oh great there's a bowling alley here too so you got to figure that out yeah um i think it's wednesday nights yeah that's what i hear wednesday nights is men's league and i'm like well my surgeries are thursday morning so i won't be able to hang too late <laughs> but <laughs> well you can always bowl for fun another night you yep. know there we go last question go to coffee order black and if people don't know this about coffee which solidified my order in med school is lighter roasts have more caffeine than dark roasts uh which one of my friends got very angry he goes why am i drinking all this bitter stuff when there's no more caffeine in it (laughs) (laughs) and uh caffeine is good for learning but horrible for memory recall okay so So the timing i stopped drinking coffee before tests and my grades went up a full letter grade wow Okay, that is really neat. <laughs> I never would have known that. I love a good cup of black coffee, too. And I like the dark roast, so now I feel validated to just drink as much as I would like. So, <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your career. I always like to know from our providers, why did you choose medicine, and what was it about your specialty that drew you in? Uh, ever since I knew there was another profession other than farming. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Medicine seemed to be what I was drawn to. When I got into med school, 
And when I graduated, because I kept hearing the same story, but uh, one of my aunts asked me, like, oh, when I was probably five, she's like, yeah, you were on the swing at Grandpa and Grandma's. And I go, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you said, doctor, you didn't hesitate at all. And then I asked you, what kind of doctor? And you stopped swinging and sat there and pondered it for a couple of minutes. And you go, a good one. And I'm like, yeah, that was a great answer. Like, it's a perfect <laughs> so, answer. <laughs> um, I started shadowing doctors in high school, which... I, from how I did that, probably wouldn't be allowed to now with HIPAA stuff because I was a junior before I even had to sign anything of, like, I will not share information. I'm like, well, why would I do that anyway? That seems wrong. But shadowed almost every specialty uh, Spencer Hospital had and just looking around and doing different things. And there were some stuff I'm like, eh, I could do it, but I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. And initially wanted to be a radiologist. I think I spent... Oh, probably around 500 hours with the radiologist up there. Enjoyed it, but didn't quite do enough hands-on stuff. I mean, he was interventional, but, you know, just wasn't there. Liked surgery, but didn't only want to be a surgeon. I uh, wanted to be able to do some clinical stuff as well. So it's kind of like I, I had a very eclectic like of all the medicine stuff. I didn't know podiatry was its own thing until undergrad, where I actually stopped my med school applications and was like, I still don't know what specialty I want. Looking at everything, I'm like, okay, I stopped, did a fifth-year undergrad, got another degree, started shadowing podiatrists. And in short, they were just the happiest doctors at, that I had shadowed, as were their patients. One patient that probably made it stick, uh, she was leaving the office, and she stopped in the hallway. and was like, oh, you're thinking about being a, a, a podiatrist? I'm like, yeah, thinking about it. And she grabbed me by the hands, looked me dead in the eye, and goes, if you can take someone's foot pain away, they will love you forever. And I'm like... I could do that. <laughs> so I'm like, that doesn't sound too bad. I uh, looked into it more and it's, yeah, it was a wound care, you know, routine diabetic foot care. Preventing preventing injuries and ulcers is, preventative care is huge. There are very few true podiatric emergencies and I like sleep <laughs> and I hate pagers. So I remember when we were first year residents, everyone was taking pictures. Oh, I got a pager, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't want this thing. Like... <laughs> So I had no idea the foot and ankle was as complex as it was when I started the journey. But no, it's, yeah, interesting. A quarter of all your bones are in your feet. There's a lot going on. Yeah, and, you know, spending time with radiology, spending time with surgery. But you're right, podiatry is a blend of all of those things and clinic care, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a perfect fit for you if you, you know, like all of those components but didn't want to do just one. Yep. I mean, I try not to say it because I think it makes me sound worse as a specialist, but jack of all trades, you know master of none. And it's like, well, makes me sound like I'm not even good at my specialty, but <laughs> <laughs> like my specialty is kind of all of them. And you went to school at Des Moines yep. University? Yep. Went to DMU. And so. then to tell us about residency was where out in the East? I was, yep. I went to residency. I was based out of the Baltimore VA. So yep, four years at DMU, which I have not yet seen their new campus yet. Um, kind of want to go see that at some point when I'm in Des Moines. Loved it. It was a great school. Love the teachers, everything. If anyone's looking into it, definitely don't overlook DMU. <laughs> Shout out to my alma mater. Yeah, and then we rotated through the Des Moines VA as students, which I really liked it. I can't pinpoint why I really liked it. It was just the patients were super interesting, very interesting injuries and stuff like that. Uh, that was the first time I saw a patient with a punji stick injury. So he fell into the hole in Vietnam with the sharp spikes sticking up, which most of them lost their limb because they had terrible infections. But he was, oh, I've probably seen, I doubt I've seen 10, but over five um, that 
kept their limb after falling into those and they all had something definitely different going on with their foot because muscles were cut tendons were cut and so something was definitely off um, but they maintained their legs so uh, just seeing that kind of curveball patient was very interesting and talking to him was really fun so I looked at more VAs for residency Residency-wise, at the time, it was kind of like, well, do you go east or you go west? And I was in the group that there were way more students looking for residencies than there were spots, so it was super competitive at the time. I ended up at the Baltimore VA, uh, spent a year at the D.C. VA in total during my three years of surgical residency. was kind of looking around at jobs, wasn't really sure what I wanted, um, and we were talking about what the D.C. VA could do at the time, and they didn't have any full-time ankle surgeons, and I was trained in ankle surgery, so... My chief and I were talking about it one time when I was a resident, and she's like, well, you know, what about here? And I'm like, oh, I, yeah, there's plenty of for me to do here. Like, I go, the only thing that sucks is the commute. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they didn't want to let me go. And I, a lot of my friends from med school were extremely surprised I stayed in a metropolitan area, being the Iowa farm boy I am, as I was as well. <laughs> but I've done, I think it was over 800 surgeries in seven years, which was very limited through COVID. I think my total numbers were cut back like 60% the last couple of years. So definitely had a lot of hands-on experience, uh, trained a bunch of residents, really fun helping the vets. Uh, some guys had very long-standing injuries. Uh, the one guy that very much sticks out uh, for ankle surgery that I had to do was like, well, when did you, when did you hurt this? He's, he just leaned over and stared at me in the eye and goes, Korea. I'm like, okay, so it's been a while. I'm like, Wow. Let's assume that you've done all the conservative care and you just stared at me going, yes, yes. can we get this fixed? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> so, so wow, what a great experience to yeah. see so many patients, so, such a variety too. And now we benefit. We are the lucky ones because we got you back here yep, to we Iowa. We get the broken version of a, yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> of a surgeon. You've so. seen it all. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, I'm still kind of breaking. It's definitely, I feel like a fish in a new fish bowl. Yeah, new place, new systems, yep, all of that, yep. all that learning curve yet. So can I ask, why did you choose Cass Health? Uh, I've wanted to get back to Iowa for a long time. You know, my parents and family and everything, that they, they stopped being subtle several years ago on, well, when are you going to come back? Okay, yeah, you're doing your job, blah, blah, blah. And you're getting experience. You're helping people. But, like, when are you, when you going to move back? And it's like, well, when I find the right job. And then it turned into, oh, well, this job's there. I'm like, well, yeah, they don't do, you know, limb salvage. I go, I was training a lot of limb salvage. I like doing limb salvage. It's, you know, just amputation is not a four-letter word either. Like, you know, sometimes we got to cut something away to make a better functioning limb. It happens. So it was just kind of that kind of stuff, and nothing was really coming up. And uh, I was paying off med school through the public service loan forgiveness, too. So doing that was also limited things where it's like, well, yeah, when you owe a quarter million dollars for med school, it's kind of like, well, that, that plays into a role. So either you need to pay me a lot so I can pay that outright or and or uh, finish it off with the public service, which this is my last month. This is my 10-year payment. Congratulations. So I need to... Uh, submit that paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there were a couple jobs I was looking at, and it's like, well, yeah, they don't qualify for public service forgiveness, so, you know, that's going to change your payments. I'd put so much time in that it was either like, I'm going to finish this off and then find something, or I need to find a job that suits me that also counts. 
Um, and one of my friends, uh, he was a senior resident of mine. I knew him in med school, Dr. Eric Larson. Uh, probably not to, I don't know. If we wanna, dropping. Okay. If we want to, yeah. you know, promote other hospitals, but he's over in Creston. Um, shout out to him. But he, he was one that he knew I wanted to come back. And he called me. He's like, yeah, you, you like the sound of my job, right? I go, yeah. You need you guys hiring another one? He goes, well, we're not. I go, well, are you making fun of me or what? Like, you know, I'm just getting my hopes up. He goes, no, there's a hospital close by that's similar to mine that does. I'm like, okay. So looked into it, yep, talked with you guys, and one of the main reasons I stayed in the VA too, not just leaving for any job, it was I enjoyed being able to practice medicine and not insurance, which I know I can still do here, but insurance is a bigger part of it. But that seemed to be the motto here is if you take care of the patient, everything else falls into place, um, which was totally what I was looking for. It's, you know, rural area too, wanted it's kind of the same, you know, be able to help the people that can't always get the help. The pediatric stuff I haven't done in a long time, so uh, I can do it. It's, I, I just, I might have to review it. So if you're bringing your kid in, give me, I may not know everything right away, but give me a minute to look it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> the youngest patient I treated over at the VA was 21. So um, yeah, pediatrics is new, but I mean, obviously learned it uh, in residency. We All my pediatrics was through Sinai Hospital. So there was a clubfoot clinic every Friday. And I mean, we saw the very rare things from around the world. I've seen people from Egypt and Africa and Europe and I mean, they, yeah, they traveled. So, however, if you have one of those very rare things, I'm going to, I'm going to send you out <laughs> to someone that does it a lot more frequently. Sure, sure. We are here today to talk about diabetic foot care. So let's start with diabetes and feet. What's the connection between diabetes and feet? Well, the foot bone is connected to the leg bone, leg bone connected to the hip <laughs> bone, et cetera. Very um, scientific answer. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Yep. So diabetes affects your whole body. Even if you perfectly control it your entire life, the longer you have it, it's still going to hurt you over time. And it start anything that's small gets affected sooner. So arteries and nerves get smaller the further away they get away from the central core. So you don't get any further away from your central core than your feet. So they are generally one of the first parts that are affected by, you know, poorly controlled diabetes or just the long-term diabetes. Um, and you don't always realize what's being affected, which is why you go see someone that's been trained in it. There's several different nerves that do different things. So, you know, there's ways to test those different nerves and some you start losing feeling before others. Uh, blood flow is also a major one that gets affected. So that's where between the nerves or the blood flow, you might think that, oh, my feet are cold. If they feel cold all the time doesn't mean they're actually cold it's just what your body is telling you they feel like so even when your feet feel cold please do not put them on the radiator or a heater because it feels better because i'm tired of seeing medium rare done feet that come into the (laughs) er because they fell asleep and then you get burns burns do not heal easy Um, and diabetes just slows down your healing response anyway. So um, it affects your immune system. You're more susceptible to everything when your immune system doesn't work as well. Uh, and, yeah, that's you're going to heal your wounds slower. Um, it's almost like smoking where I tell people, you know, I might expect you to heal in this time if everything goes right, but because you're diabetic, it's going to double. So, yeah. Um, and I tell people, I'm like, yeah, it's not fun to deal with. You can manage it. Uh, I always say if, you know, God himself came down and was like, sorry, Michael, you got to pick, you, you get a systemic disease, but I'll let you pick. I would not pick diabetes. So what are some of the risks and problems that um, patients with diabetes have in terms of um, their feet? 
Yep. So the main thing is your feet will change in size as you continue to rip days off the calendar. So they tend to get longer, wider, flatter. Uh, had that conversation many times where... And is that all patients or is that... That's that's everyone. Everybody. Um, but it's more in diabetics because if you lose your sensation, your blood flow is bad. It doesn't take near as much for any rubbing to cause a wound, which leads to an infection. Uh, if you can't feel anything, something falls in your shoe. Again, life experience nickel fell in a shoe they walked all day and then all of a sudden they came in with a nickel sized wound in the bottom of their foot they didn't know it was until they were walking around later with barefoot and they're like oh this trail of blood was behind me i didn't know what happened i've seen tacks stuck in the bottom of feet like i keep walking and i just hear this clicking like what's going on I'm like well this is in your foot oh <laughs> um yeah. so uh you lose the gift of pain is kind of how it's it's told pain tells us when something's wrong um, if you are diabetic and do not have sensation and all of a sudden start feeling something, that's generally a very big red flag. That is not a good thing of like, oh, oh, I must be getting better. I can feel a little pain again. No, that's usually a raging infection that will probably take your limb. So again, real life experience. Patient had that on a Friday. He goes, oh, I got an appointment Monday. Like, I must be doing better. I can feel my foot a little bit. He saw his, it was outside the VA, but he saw that doc. They're like, you need to go to the ER immediately. Gas gangrene. Had he come in that Friday, he may have only lost a toe or even better yet, just had a wound that we had to take care of because it went and it goes quick over the weekend. He got a blown knee amputation that morning. Wow. So, so Wow. So you weren't kidding. I was not that, kidding. The, when those, things can go bad fast. They can go bad fast. So so there are some of those small things that yes. you know, um, should sweat and, yes. and come yep. see sooner rather than later. Wow. Okay. Um, nerve damage. So is it that is what's going on to cause this loss of sensation, this loss of feeling, and as you said, you know, losing the gift of pain? It's usually due to your high blood sugars. Um, so your A1C is your three-month average. Um, that's how long a red blood cell lasts, so that's, how, that's why it's a three-month test. Not everyone knows why it has to be every three months. They're like, oh, I did really good these last couple weeks. Can I re- re- redo it? I'm like, well, it might have fallen like a point something, something, but... Because that's how long your red blood cells live. That's how the test is done. Um, but I always called it, uh, you're caramelizing your nerves. So they're just not going to shoot that electrical signal like they're supposed to, where they either fire constantly or they don't fire at all kind of thing. On a side note, lots of back pain can be referred to the feet and mimic diabetes. So I've had many patients get sent to me like, oh, they're diabetic and actually talk to them. And no, your, your foot's good. You have sensation. But these feelings like, well, how ba- how's your back? Oh, yeah, I get shooting pain down the legs all the time. I have to lean over the cart when I walk. You know, the back itself does not have to hurt in order for the nerves to be impinged upon in one way or the other. It's Those are the nerves that go down to your feet, and all the brain interprets it as is, hey, nerve 216A, it's getting pinched. That goes to the big toe. I'm having pain in my big toe. Nope, toe's fine, foot's fine. I've had patients want to fight me because they're like, no, my foot hurts, you need to fix it. It's like, there is nothing wrong with your foot. It is all coming from your back. So, you know, don't automatically assume it's diabetes. Um, get, you know, it's where specialty run through your primary first. That's a whole different workup. That's not even legally in my scope <laughs> to treat. <laughs> sure, uh, sure. But some of what you do is going to be decoding yeah. that and what's going, yeah. what's really going on here. Yep. Sure. Um, so do all patients with diabetes need to come see a podiatrist? I mean, technically, yes, so you're not going to hurt anything. VA was a little different. That answer was no, uh, mostly because if you're well-controlled, you have good sensation, everything, 
yes, you should still be getting a diabetic foot exam every year, but a podiatrist didn't have to do that in the VA. Real world insurance might be different. I actually don't know the answer to that right at this second. I'm also not near as busy as I was out there, just metropolitan area versus this place, obviously. So I have no problem doing a diabetic foot exam every year, make sure everything's holding still. Oh, blood flow is good. Sensation's good. Or maybe you lost a little sensation. Okay, just, you know, make sure you check your foot every night make sure nothing's been rubbing, nothing's in your shoes. Maybe watch those blood sugars a little more carefully. We are in diabetic season, as I've dubbed it, and um, from Halloween to Valentine's Day when there's way more sweets around. Um, not saying you can't have any, just moderation. Just uh, be mindful. Yep. Yep. <laughs> So what is a, what's a diabetic foot check like with you? Well, um, so yeah, I run through kind of quick. Um, blood flow is pretty much the first thing I check. Um, and how are you checking that? Uh, pedal pulses is one thing. However, just because you can feel a pulse in your feet does not mean you have good blood flow. Um, there's literature out there that supports that. So actually just happened the other day. I had a patient where, hey, I can feel your pulses, but your toes are cooler. Your capillary refill time is cold, uh, slower. Um toes feel a lot cooler than the foot and then he goes well everyone's told me i have good flow in my feet because they can feel my pulses i go "Mm, no (laughs) so ordered some you know different tests to see how the blood flowing in the legs um the downside is if it's only in the small arteries in the foot um because i could actually see his arteries on x-ray there was that much calcification in them um we, we don't have the technology to clear those out yet, and um, we can only kind of do the bigger arteries right now. So if everything else is good, that's good for him, but it's kind of just, okay, we just watch it and try your blood thinners and try to get the you know plumbing working a little better. Um, next is usually the sensation test, so using a little monofilament, looks like a fishing line. Close your eyes. I check several spots on each foot. You tell me when you can feel it or not. Um, You have to hit so many of those to technically have sensation. Sensation is a binary system. It's like either you're pregnant or you're not. So you either have sensation or not. Um, You can lose sensation to a certain point. So there are people that, you know, oh, they can't feel anything. They can't feel any of their toes, but they feel everything else. Okay. If it's bad diabetes, it's kind of spread out everywhere. So checking range of motion. You can't walk correctly if certain joints aren't working correctly, so you want to make sure that's working because if your joints don't work correctly, you're not walking like you're supposed to, you're putting extra pressure on certain parts of your foot, higher risk for calluses, ulcers, pain, arthritis, you name it. The root of all evil to me is a tight calf. Uh, If your calf is too tight, your ankle doesn't work like you should, you're walking through your foot differently, it puts more strain on your hamstrings, puts more strain on your back. Um, now if your back and hamstring are also bad or tight, then they're making your calf try to work harder. So, uh, even non-diabetic healthy person, your tendons still get tight as we age. I know most things get loose, you know, things fall away as you get older, but, uh, the tendons tend to get tight. So I tell everybody to try at least do some calf stretching, um, which can include the hamstring as well. If you're being a good patient, which I can be 75% of the time, I'll remember to do my morning and evening stretches. The way I knock it out the easiest, I do it when you're brushing your teeth. You're just standing in the bathroom anyway, so okay. stretch them out. So I wrote that down because I was just about to ask. So what's the practical advice for patients on that? How do how do I take care of my calf? Yep, so we all had to do that runner stretch in high school more than likely. So the one I tell people is, you know, toes up against the wall, knee straight, heel on the ground, lean towards the wall, 
a good stretch, and this is where people generally get it wrong, because they're like, oh, yeah, I stretch all the time, and they just move their joints around or something like that quick. I'm like, that's not stretching. A good stretch is holding that position for 60 to 90 seconds. Oh, okay, that's a long time. Yeah. Okay, so, that's not like a count to 20 and you're nope, good. Nope, a good, good okay. stretch is 60 to 90 seconds. So. Okay, so toes up on the wall, so it's at an angle. Yep. Okay, all right. And you'll you'll feel it if you're tight. Yeah. Um, I've had an issue with my calf and stuff, and I ignored it because I'm a person, and I didn't want to admit anything was wrong with me. I just thought I overdid something. <laughs> Why, are you something. busy or something? <laughs> uh, nah. <laughs> um, and then one morning when I got up out of bed and about fell down because I thought I stepped on a lit campfire, I'm like, oh, I have plantar fasciitis and equinus. I know how to treat that. I should probably start. <laughs> and started stretching my calf. And I thought I was going to rip my leg in half. It was that tight. And I got to about 12, the count of 12. And I'm like, I have to stop. Um, so I, you know, and I tell people, I'm like, yeah, if you, if it's that tight and you can only count to 10, that's where you're starting. Count to 10. So start there and just yeah. build up to that 60 yep. to 90 seconds. Don't just be like, oh, I can't get to 60 because it hurts too much. I'm going to give yeah. up. That's only going to make your situation worse. And then you mentioned hamstrings. Should we be doing that too? They all play, work and play in the same environment. Okay. So it's, again, out of my legal scope. Um, <laughs> but if you're if you're keeping that leg straight and really lean into it, I mean, if I have a busy weekend that I didn't stretch as much, I, there, I can feel it stretching that out too. So. Okay, good advice, good practical advice. What are some of those red flags, warning signs that you would want to see a patient with diabetes sooner rather than later? Any sudden increase in pain, uh, whether you actually remember dropping something on your foot, hitting something or not, or you're just like, man, all of a sudden this hurts a lot more. Something swells up very red. Uh, it's warm to the touch. Um, a Little indicator, though, on if it's a raging infection versus just irritation is if it's red, just gently push on it. If it blanches white because you're pushing that blood out of there, it's more likely inflammation. If it stays red, that's more of a cellulitis indicative of infection. Not 100%, but I've had many people who are like, oh, I got an infection. They do this, and my foot's bright red. No, that's more of a blood flow issue or, you know, you... You put a little too much bleach in your foot soak last night and you irritated the heck out of your skin. So, um, which, yeah, on foot soaks, Epsom salt, bleach is okay, but very small amount if you're doing it for bad, bad athlete's foot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, On a side note for that, um, Charcot happens in diabetic patients, which is more or less your bones turning into sand. Um, More likely to happen in diabetics. Uh, but your foot will become very swollen, red, warm to the touch. It will look like a raging infection. Many people will think it's uh, osteomyelitis. I don't even know if I've ever seen an osteomyelitis that out of the blue affected half the bones in your feet. So um, if that's a thing, then that's a Charcot issue. It's a much different different beast. And again, kind of an emergent, like I should be calling uh, right away? It's not emergent insofar as you're going to lose your limb from it right away. But if we can treat it faster while it's in the inflammatory acute phase it's a lot more likely that you're not going to have serious deformities. Um, even here, the other day, I saw a patient where she's like, what is this big, you know, bulge of bone here or whatever? And it's like, well, did you ever break anything? I didn't have any x-rays or imaging. So I, you know, it's kind of like, she couldn't remember anything. I'm like, well, let's get some x-rays and we'll go from there. And nothing was looking, you know, at urgent at the time. So it's like, there's no signs of infection. I asked about, did your foot ever get warm, red, swollen? Didn't remember. So I'm like, well, okay. 
nope, the x-ray came back, and as soon as I thought, I'm like, oh, no, she's had charcoal before. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, again, something that's not always noticeable, but things to look out for, and, you know, it's, your feet are a long way away from you. you don't always pay attention to them. Right. And, so with that said, what's your advice to um, patients with diabetes? You know, um, how do I keep my feet healthy? Socks, ointments, you mentioned soaks. What do I do to keep them healthy? Socks are essential. They help reduce friction, look away sweat, and, you know, make the skin breathe a little better. Which on a side note of socks, everybody, when you're washing socks, wash them inside out. The, the oh. part that touches your foot should be the part that's hitting the washer. So I shouldn't get mad at my kids for <laughs> always having their socks all inside out and nope, bunched up? that's actually the better way that's to wash them. That's the better them. way to wash them. Yep. Okay, yeah. all right. Especially if you've had fungus or anything like that, it's gonna, that's, that's the part you want clean. Sure, so inside out socks. Okay. Yep. Type of socks matter? Uh, if you're a very high-risk diabetic where you can't feel anything, you don't have blood flow, yeah, there actually are diabetic socks. Um, they're just softer. They stretch more. Their lifespan is very short because of that, but lower risk of, you know, calluses, wounds, stuff like that. Cotton, wool, doesn't matter. Uh, if you have sensation, no, whatever's comfortable. And of course, time of year, um, overall in general, especially day-to-day sock. And I mean, if it's, you know, 20 below zero, yeah, find that nice wool sock. That's going to keep your foot warm. Frostbite isn't fun either. Um, but, and I've told that I personally, I kind of like my day-to-day socks like bamboo. They, they actually breathe really well. They don't seem to sweat as much. Um, they wash well, they don't stretch out too bad. So, so besides socks, what else are we doing to keep those feet healthy? Yep. Um, good shoe gear. Um, anybody should have a nice sturdy shoe. A diabetic with that can't feel anything should at least make sure there's room in the shoe for any deformity that's probably also there. Uh, you don't want it rubbing in the shoe. Shoes also don't last as long as we probably like them to, um, even though it's like, well, yeah, it's a really comfortable shoe. How long have you had it? Like five years. Okay, that, that shoe has probably, you got your money's worth out of that shoe. It has long since uh, served its purpose, though. So that's where... And people ask me, like, oh, for different types, you know, types of deformities or issues in the foot, like, what shoe do you like? It's like, well, the shoe is a vehicle. The insert that goes in the shoe is much more important to me. Um, that's going to either control how you're walking through your foot and either diabetic or non-diabetic. Um, don't, the only difference is if your joints can still move like they're supposed to or not, um, which will then change what kind of insert you need, and then that may also d- dictate what kind of shoes you need. So socks and shoes, you, um, you mentioned soaks. Um, is that something routinely uh, that we should It be wouldn't doing? have to be routine. The foot soaks is more like um, if you get foot cramps a lot of the time, again, due to deformities, muscles that want to work aren't doing their job as much, so you may get the random cramp spasms. Just living day to day, you get cramp spasms too. People ask me, like, oh, what do I do for the – I get these bad cramps. I'm like, yeah, I get them too. I just sit there and curse until it goes away, which is usually about 90 <laughs> seconds later. But It happens. Yeah. It's part um, of being human, right? Yep. Okay. <laughs> Um, staying hydrated is a big one for, uh, muscle cramp spasms as well, but foot soaks is definitely the aggressive athlete's foot and nail fungus. So we all have fungus on our feet. People may not want to hear this. The, the study I quote is they took 40 patients that had zero clinical signs of fungal infection on their skin or nails, took samples from everywhere, grew over a hundred different types of fungus. Wow, kind of gross. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, as we learned in med school, the foot is one of the few, quote unquote, always dirty areas of the body. <laughs> okay. Um, fungus likes warm, moist, dark environments. How would you describe the inside of a shoe? Exactly like yep. that. Yeah. So uh, 
especially in summertime when it's a little warmer and you're sweating a little bit more, that's when those flares can come up. If you've traveled, used a you know public or shared restroom shower. Uh, if you're having an active flare and you're sharing it, definitely throw some bleach in there at least once a week to try to kill any baby fungi you leave behind so you're not sharing it with the rest of the family. Um, when you're washing your socks, hottest water you can, wash them separate. If they tolerate bleach, throw some bleach in there, try to kill it. Fungus is extremely resilient, has been around an awful long time, it is very difficult to get rid of. And side note on the VA, anyone that served in Southeast Asia, I don't know what they got growing over there, super hard to get rid of. <laughs> So I will work with you, but don't expect miracles. Um, Yeah, fungal care. Uh, Again, there's many, many types of fungus. Not one cream kills everything. Uh, The plantar skin on your foot is the thickest skin in your body. That fungus is living deeper underneath the already dead layers of skin. Same in the nails. Everything you see is already dead. It's where it's growing from is where it lives. So it takes, you know, even topical, even the oral stuff can can really take a while before you're going to see any improvement. And even if you get those numbers down enough to where you clinically don't see it anymore, especially for the nails, it takes almost a year for that nail to grow out all the way before the chemical changes that the fungus has caused will be gone. I tend to get some athlete's foot in the summer if I'm outside doing a lot of work. So that's where it's like, okay, they're starting to get a little warm. They sweat a lot. Change your socks. Um, If they sweat a lot, regardless, some people just have extra sweaty feet. Get the aerosol antiperspirant, not the the deodorant, and just spray the bottom of your foot in the morning. Oh, okay. Just great idea. Same as under the arms. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Um, But if you really sweat a lot, change your socks in the middle of the day. That'll help reduce chance of fungal infection. And this isn't just, this is everybody, not just diabetics. It's just, again, since the diabetics have a harder used immune system, they're more likely to have it and it takes longer to get rid of. Um, But uh, that's where the extra dry skin causes cracks in the skin, entry point for infection. No one wants to deal with that. Um, And we're getting into that drier time of year too. So just even a routine once a week, if your skin's not too bad, moisturizer, cream of some kind, not between the toes. The toes they're already touching each other it's hard to dry out all it's going to do is get extra wet macerated can cause a wound okay those are not it's not a fun space to treat a wound either so don't moisturize between the toes correct dry them out yep but then don't go everywhere else but not between the toes okay an antifungal cream if you're using it for that you can do very 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 minimal just just enough to get in there for the toes okay and what about just a daily check of the feet Yep. Uh, good to do if you are un- not as limber as you used to be. Get a uh, mirror on a stick kind of thing. A bigger mirror helps. We've had, again, we used to have some we handed out, but it was like this little makeup mirror thing that you'd carry in your purse kind of thing. And it's like, I, I have good eyesight and I can't see what the bottom of your foot looks like when you're using that. Right. So <laughs> make sure it's something you can see. Or if you have a family member or someone that can hey, let's look at the bottom of your feet quick, really takes 30 seconds, um, or it might prevent months of caring for a wound or an infection or a lifetime of, hey, look, I wear a different size shoe on this soot because mm-hmm. it's shorter <laughs> <laughs> after I've cut it off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which on that note, again, amputation is not a four-letter word. You sacrifice a toe to save the foot, and you sacrifice a foot to save the leg, you sacrifice the leg to save the life. And so. that, that's kind of one of your specialties too, isn't it? You know, that limb salvage and yeah. that amputation yep. and everything. Yep. So very interesting. More than once, I mean, the ER is called like, hey, come down, just look at this. We know they probably need to get their leg cut off. We just want you to look at it. And I go down there, I'm like, why are you cutting this off? Give, no, I can I can more than likely save this. Yeah. I'm probably above 50%, which... You know, better than the initial zero of them just wanting to cut the leg right. off right away. Yeah. So. 
patients with diabetes, do they need any special gear? Like I see ads for like special shoes or inserts or compression socks, any of that appropriate? We already went over the socks, just regular socks for diabetics. There are the quote-unquote diabetic shoes. They tend to just be a little extra depth um, to be able to accommodate a thicker insert. Uh, Do you always need an extra depth shoe? No, but it does give you a little more room. As far as compression socks go, they are never going to be tight enough to stop blood flow. That always seems to be the number one reason people don't want to wear them is, hey, I don't want to put them on. I don't want to shut off the blood flow to my leg. Uh, You wouldn't be able to get them on if they were that tight. Um, So it helps more with the swelling and the venous component of it where it's taking the blood back up your leg. So if anyone has ever seen a patient with chronic venous disease, lymphedema, they have tree trunks for legs, they chronically get their legs split open, have draining wounds, they're hard to heal, they're painful. Good luck finding shoes even that you can fit in try to get around. Uh, So if it was up to me, everyone would wear compression socks at least half the week, even if nothing is wrong with you, just to help... those poor veins uh, not stretch out quite so much. Uh, I am six foot four. I was told as a student by the vascular docs that I first shadowed, like uh, we were standing in surgery all day and the next day he goes, so how long were your feet up last night? And I'm like, what? How, well, how did you know I went home and kicked my feet? He goes, well, you're standing in the OR all day. And he goes, you're tall. You, you don't have any more vein valves in your veins than anyone else does. He goes, you have compression socks? I go, I'm not 80 years old. Why would I get, <laughs> I guess that? he goes, to help prevent it. And so before I left that day, I stopped at the <laughs> hospital shop and got some compression socks. And there's, I call it a learning curve when you're wearing them. Um, it can feel a little funny. I always tell people it kind of feels like ants crawling up the legs, itching sensation. That is just the fluid moving. Um, it's more so when you take them off than when you put them on. They are warmer. I am bad about wearing them as much in the summertime, way easier to wear in winter. They're generally very on the thinner side, too. I like a thick sock, so I'll just put another sock over it. But that itching sensation, what I tell patients is, yeah, warm in July for surgery, got home, making dinner, ripped them off because I was hot, stood in the kitchen for the next hour, and I almost caused my legs to bleed. Actually, I think my right one was bleeding a little bit because I was itching my legs so bad because that fluid was just falling back down into my leg, which expands the tissue, makes you feel like it, it itches. So... Uh, it's there. It doesn't mean anything's going wrong. It's just you probably took them off a little too soon or there's just a little more fluid going back down. They do have some compression socks that do not go as high as just below the knee. The way we are made, that compression sock needs to stop at least at right below the knee. Otherwise, all it's going to do is sit in your leg. And then as soon as you take that sock off, it's going to fall right back down to your ankle or foot. Um, not to really badmouth anything, but there are no studies that show copper-infused socks are better than regular compression socks. If a study comes out, then great, we'll, we'll use them more. But I have not seen anything that the, they just do a really good job advertising. <laughs> okay, so until then, just regular compression socks, but make sure that they go up to the knee. And again, beneficial for everyone, most, for everyone yep. not just um, any certain population. And in diabetics, there's actually studies out there that have shown if you are insensate, you're having a hard time feeling your feet, which is where the diabetics can't do that. If you watch someone walk that you know is cannot feel their feet, they will thromp their feet down into the ground so they know where they're where it's at. It's, that's what's helping them from not tripping as much. Sadly, that just increases the amount of pressure and everything, that higher risk of a wound or callus in your foot or breaking a bone even. But the compression socks have shown that it can increase that proprioceptive sensation so you know where your foot is at better in space. Now, that being said, there are many sizes of compression socks. So that's where you need to, you know, actually measure the circumference around your ankle and calf. Um, Don't just 
they do sell some just off shoe size, but they're probably not going to fit you right. Um, and off the counter stuff, you know, they're pretty standard. So if you have a huge calf and your ankle's not that big, you probably need some custom ones. Whether or not covered by insurance, I have no idea. But they're there. Great advice. Lots of practical tips and yeah. tricks. Is there anything you recommend patients keep on hand? Uh, emery boards are nice. Try to stay away from the mechanical ones. Uh, they, can, if, if something grabs, it can just go real quick. Again, back to the woodworking part. If you're using a router or something, and you know it can grab a grain of wood just right, and it, all of a sudden you've you've messed up your piece of wood. But same goes for your skin. If you're using something mechanical and it, it tears, all of a sudden you're going to come see me for this big, you know, wound on your foot because um, you were trying to pare down a callus or something. So that's where you know. I always tell people it's finishing sanding, not rough sanding. And more frequently is the way to do it. Callus tissue kind of begets more callus tissue. So if you can keep it down, that skin that's growing underneath doesn't grow in as hard. Um, It may not get rid of it completely because it's probably forming from something else, whether it be external or internal to your foot. But after you get out of the shower, after you dry it off, when that skin's still a little supple, doesn't just gently back and forth over that callus. It may not seem like you're doing a lot, but Again, it it pays off the more you do it. Same with the foot creams as far as moisturizing go. More frequently is better than a lot. Don't glob a whole lot on there. Nickel quarter size is all you need to cover the foot. Just do it more frequently. That dry skin isn't going to go away overnight. So the callus care with that. Nip nails, you know, if you're you're able to cut your own, fantastic. Just kind of cut them even with the end of your toe. Um, if the, if those corners kind of sharp and whatnot, catch your socks, just do a little 45 cut. Not every nail nipper is going to cut some nails. Uh, your toenails get thicker and more brittle as you age, just part of the price you pay. So they, they do have some, you know, you can get some that are similar to my industrial strength ones that we got here. Um, I've seen them around. They're, they're not bad. They're going to cut better. Um, it's harder to trim your own nails than have someone else do it. I tell everyone, I go, I can't trim my own nails as well as I can trim yours. It's just the angle you get. So we have long since needed our toenails for anything. So if they are really bothersome and uh, you can heal from a procedure, I tell everyone, I go, if my nails ever become a problem, I'm getting rid of them. We don't need them for anything. I always joked around that we only relieve them on to keep lesser talented podiatrists employed. (laughs) So... Do you see a lot of patients come in for that nail care specifically? Yes. And do you encourage them to come to you for nail care? If they have any questions about it, something that's going on with their nail, they are curious if they, you know, again, you may feel like you have sensation and you don't, or you may feel like you don't have sensation, but you do. No, come see me. Um, again, then I'll kind of say, hey, you're a little higher risk. Come this often. Eh, you're, you're pretty good. Your, your numbers are stable. At least see me yearly just to I get a better look at everything. I know how to how the foot moves and how it's supposed to work so excellent well thank you so much for your time today what a a great episode so many tips and tricks i just feel like i learned so much and i'm going to go home and wash the socks inside out from now on thank you so much for being on the podcast no problem